All right. Good morning, Trinity Church. How you doing? Good to see you. Now, I had told you last week we kicked off this road trip series. I told you that we would just show this kind of humorous clip about families being on a road trip. You can now wipe your eyes. I know that was very moving and appropriately so. But Kim had sent this to me months ago as just a, a great clip. This is from a, a children's ministries conference. And when I was remembering that this week, I'm like, what was that about again? And I looked it up, and it's exactly where we're going today, that last phrase, etch God's word on your kids' hearts. And that's what we're talking about today, saturating your homes with the word of God. And so it was so perfect. We had to use it, and uh, we'll laugh more next week, but it was super good that way. You have a a program, a worship folder. If you want to take out your message notes out of there, want to kind of get you going today, we are starting, uh, now we're in week two of a brand new series on the family called Road Trip. These notes will help you kind of track with us today, and you'll note that the first half of them are for the message, but the next half for your home group. A lot of our home groups are going to be taking a break at the end of May for the kind of summer, but we'll start back in the fall. And I want to encourage you, if you have not been a part of a small group at Trinity Church, next August, we're going to really get into that mode and really give you lots of options, whether they be home groups or men's groups, women's groups, etc. So just want to encourage you that they're kind of wrapping up right now, but we're going to go big in August and want to encourage you to be having that on your mind as you're coming and getting ready for that. If you have a Bible today, we're going to be in a few different places, but Psalm chapter 78 is kind of maybe the first place to get your your finger to or your uh, electronic Bible to. And Psalm is, uh, if you've never seen that word before, it looks like psalm, And it's kind of in middle-ish of your Bible. It comes right before the book of Proverbs. And uh, you find your way to chapter 78. We'll look at that among some other things today. Well, I want to say this, that uh, right in line with this family series are some great things we're actually doing with families. And one of those is our dad-kid campout. It's happening as we speak. And so we've got some men from Trinity along with their kids out camping out. I saw a couple uh, moms with young kids out uh, on the plaza here between services. And And they said, oh yeah, our husband took our oldest kid, our oldest child, and they're doing this. And they looked at me and they said, it feels like a vacation. And I sat there and I thought, I think you're talking more about your husband being gone than anything else. You're getting a break. So that's great. But we're hoping they have a great time. They'll wrap it up this afternoon and come home. And I appreciate uh, men's ministry with Jim kind of giving leadership to that. And it's a good weekend to get away. But we are, we are in this series and we're talking through some things. What we've wanted to do, kind of what we talk about, maybe weekly essentials in this series, are things just to continue to help families. One of those is today out after the service out on the plaza, you'll see a, a table where you can register for our family forum. These are cards that are at every exit on your way out today. We stuffed them a couple weeks ago on Easter. But this is basically a, a parenting conference that we're doing at the end of the series. And you can get signed up for that. Um, some of you have been hearing about that. You're ready to go. You can also sign up online. But the thing to remember is you might be here today and you go, you know what? We're kind of through that phase. We don't have kids at home anymore. But think about who you could invite. Think about who you could pay for. Like, hey, I know these people. They're great people. They, they know they need help. Remember we said last week, that's probably not the best start of that conversation. I know you need help. Let me... Uh, <laughs> Let me pay for your uh, parenting conference. But I want to encourage you to think about the different kind of angles and, and ways that that particular event could connect. And like we said, anyone raising kids at home right now knows they need help. They really do. It doesn't take much to help them see that. And the point is, this is going to be some great, just very practical tools that I think will be very interesting to any family, no matter if they follow Jesus right now or not, 
And uh, it'll be a, gr- a great way for you to have an influence in your world. A couple other essentials that we said that we would be about weekly. I wanted to bring kind of a weekly book, uh, a, a family book to you. And, and with really the highest amount of praise, I want to introduce you to the Action Bible. I love this thing. And what it is is basically you can kind of tell from here, it looks like a comic book. And it indeed is in that format. And I was just so impressed. I came about across this a few years ago. And the only one that we kind of had in this life stage at the time was Ellie. And I, I thought a couple things. I thought, well, generally speaking, to maybe be over simple, I didn't know how much girls liked a comic book for, format. So I was a little curious if she would love it. And I also was wondering a little bit, too, about kind of the way that, like any Bible that's not a literal translation, how is it going to present the truth of God? Well, number one, she loves this. This has been such an important part of our raising her has been able to nightly read a chapter from the Action Bible about where she's at. And I'll tell you more about that later on. But within that too, what's been great is that as we were going through the first time, I was kind of looking at it with a little bit of a critical eye, like I want to see. And I will tell you, it is so true to the actual text that I was so impressed by that. It does not cut corners. Some of you have had different maybe kids' Bibles, and you've been less than impressed with the way they handled certain narratives or stories. I don't know, by the way, I'm going to be real weird here. I just thought of this. When I was a kid, there weren't a lot of these resources, and I just remember, though, having some kind of kid Bible, and it had, like, pictures, right, which is good and helpful for visual things. And this is a kid's Bible. It's a kid's Bible. And I'm going through this, and I'd love to look at the pictures, and I'll never forget, there's, like, one of the grisliest stories of the Bible is about John the Baptist being beheaded and his head giving, given to Herod's wife. There's a picture of that in my children's Bible. <laughs> like, his head's on a platter. And I just remember just being traumatized, like, are you kidding me? This is crazy. And so I look at that now going, well, they're less graphic than that in the Action Bible. But uh, I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for resources, to me, it's perfect for kids like age five up to middle school. And Ellie would bring this Bible to her class when she was uh, uh, at our ministry at HDC. And it would be great because her teacher would go, hey, we're in a certain narrative. Hey, Ellie, is that story in your Bible? She's like, I think so. And they'd open it up and everyone would gather around and read the story together. So it's just a great tool. And I just want to encourage you, if you're trying to find a, a, a fitting age-appropriate Bible, that might be a great one to look at. Also, we're doing this. We said weekly we wanted to give you a conversation starter. Not 17 questions, just one. If you look at the back page of your notes, you'll see at the bottom there, table talk question. Is your home a place where God's word permeates our everyday lives? If not, which one of the strategies will we employ from the list given this weekend? So obviously we'll talk about that in a minute. But just a a place to start a conversation and ask yourself some kind of reflective questions about how we're doing in this area. If you weren't here with us this last week, a weekend ago, we basically started by painting the picture, kind of drawing the target a little bit and saying that there is a place that God is leading our families to and that the rest of the series was going to be about giving you tools and, and pieces to that whole. How do we lead our families towards this destination? We're on a road trip, as it were. How are we getting there? And that's kind of what we follow in line with today, this, this idea of saturating your home with the word of God. Now, we said this last week, we did it kind of silly to try to represent that this really, this series is something for all of us. It's not just for people who are raising kids at home right now. We had you raise hands and do that whole thing. But let me just say it this way again, as we dive into today, 
Obviously, if you're raising kids at home, this is huge to you and you, you are, you're going to be there. I already know it. But if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I'm not doing that, but I'm, I'm in a different life stage. I'm a grandparent and I have a, a unique kind of influence with grandkids, whether here or far away. This, this matters to you today. Or maybe you're here and you think about your role. You're a single adult who's considering marriage sometime in your future. These are foundational things that you are going to want to make a part of that life. Maybe you're here today and you're being raised in a home. You are the kid at home, as it were. And as we listen today, realizing that there is a piece of this that is very much your responsibility just as much as your parents. This is a huge thing for you. Maybe you're part of an extended family. Maybe you're a strong family friend and you're not connected even by blood to a specific group of people, but you know you have a source of influence, a voice of influence in their lives. This is for you today. Today, what you could really even do with this message title, saturate your home with the word of God, you could just say, saturate your life with the word of God. So every one of us has something to draw from and a place to say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? And that's the thing I want to encourage you every weekend with as you come, even when we're not in this series, God, what do you want to communicate to me today? I have open ears and an open heart speak because I'm listening. We've talked about this idea. Kim gave a great example of a road trip when you're on it and you're just so maybe caught in the moment, caught in the conversations, caught in the whatever, and you forget, oh, we're not even on the right road. The great news is with God, we can always course correct. That's a big deal about what we're talking about today. We can always course correct and get back on track to where we need to be. Today, we're really starting with this premise related to saturating your home with the word of God is simply this statement. I'll repeat it later. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. So many, as we talk about training and nurturing your kids, it's going to see, and you'll see this at different touch points today, it's going to begin with you. And are you a person who is saturating your own life with the word of God so that therefore you can lead your kids in that same direction or you can lead those that you're invested in in your life? Here's that now what idea we want to keep front and central. Saturate your everyday lives with the Bible because valuing God's word begins at home. Number one in your notes, take seriously your role as your child's primary spiritual trainer. Take seriously your role as your child's primary spiritual trainer. I think that a lot of our kids are confused for a lot of reasons, but on this particular topic, I think they're confused. And it goes like this. We will have them be a part of Trinity Church um, as they come to our Sunday morning programs or Tuesday night student ministry programs or whatever they may be. And at those programs, among other things where your kids might be involved, they're hearing how valuable the word of God is. They're hearing that it's a unique book like none other than it is God-breathed and completely reliable and true. And they hear that, and then, though, even at your encouragement, they're involved in programs and things at church that say that. Then during the week, you never reference the word of God in your home. And there's a disconnect. There's a confusion that comes in our kids' minds when they wonder, this book is supposed to be so important, but we never talk about it. We talk about a lot of other things that are important. My parents correct me and discipline me, but when they do, they say more things like, because I say so, or this is how it works in our home, rather than the word of God says this is what's important and what matters. Now, I I don't say that today to be critical. I say that to say that's how I was raised. 
We're all about this book on Sunday. But throughout the week, I can't remember us sitting down and really talking through what the Bible had to do with our everyday lives. And by the way, I'm not saying that to be a critic of my parents. My parents did a great job. I've told you before, I'm a lifer. We're going to see a great example of another lifer today. I can't remember not knowing about Jesus and the word of God since the very youngest age. And I appreciate that so much. But there was this confusion. Why is the Bible so important only one day of the week? What about the other six? How does it intersect with our lives? And by the way, the reason I'm saying I'm not a critic of my parents is because I have to look in my own mirror and ask, how are we doing with our kids? If this is so important to me that we need to do that differently, how are we doing? And so it's a great question for us each to kind of ask as we kind of begin today, as we jump in. Um, When we think about this idea of understanding and engaging our God-given responsibility to be the primary spiritual trainers of our kids. Let me ask you a couple questions to see if, if maybe why that's not happening. If you would kind of look at that and kind of go, I'm not really sure that I'm really doing that well or that I'm doing it much or I'm doing it with intent. Well, a couple questions. One would be, is it because that you see the Bible is primarily a list of rules that my kids are going to hear about from someone at some point anyway? Maybe this way. Maybe you've kind of looked at the Bible as something that you've done with other parts of your parenting and you're outsourcing it. That's what we're doing here at church today, Todd. That's why my kids are in TLC. That's why my student went to Crave this morning. That's why my middle schooler is going to their program next hour. That's what we're doing. We're outsourcing, and I'm just simply trying to say it's great. We'll see it in a minute how important those sources are, but it really does begin with you. They spend the majority of their lives in your home, not at these programs. Maybe another reason that this hasn't been taken true yet for you is because you look at it and you say, you know, I kind of consider the Bible uh, a source of interesting stories and good teachings, but I don't know if I think of it as the true word of God. Yeah, that would, that would kind of make sense to me then that you wouldn't value it in your home life to the same degree. Or maybe it's this, I don't know how to more consistently incorporate the saturation of God's word into the life of my family. Can I tell you, I was so, this was just like scales falling off of my eyes, the the revelation came. When I was a family pastor working with families and I would consistently realize parents want to do this. I want to take God's word and saturate my own life with it, saturate our family's lives. I don't know how. And if that's you today, I want to tell you you're in the right place because we're going to give you some examples of how. And I want to encourage you. I just tell you, I'm tired of churches that tell people the right things to do, but then don't tell them how to do it. And we're not going to be about that. We're going to say, this is what God's design is, and we're going to live it, but let me help you with how. And if those are the things that have been working through your mind, like these are the reasons that hasn't happened yet, we have some good things to look at. I don't have you there in your Bibles, but you can look on the screens. Here's one of the descriptive passages that is so great in what we're talking about today and laying the foundation. Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy. It's in his second letter. Timothy is a pastor at this point at the church at Ephesus. And this is what he's saying. They're very close. He says in 2 Timothy 1, I am reminded of your sincere faith, watch this, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. But as for you, continue, this is down to verse 14, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, watch, because you know those from whom you learned it. 
You lived under the same roof of these people who taught you, instructed you in the word of God. You know they love you. They, you know they love God because you've done life with them. They have credibility up to the ceiling. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Notice the three generations. A couple things to notice here. The three generations mentioned in this role of passing down faith and biblical instruction to our kids and grandkids. Grandparents are going to say a few things to you today, but look at the power of this. Look at this idea of a grandmother that Paul would even say, Paul didn't, wasn't raised in Timothy's home, wasn't even raised near him. They became friends over time, and it could have only been from Timothy bragging on mom and grandma to say, these were the incredible influencers in my life that helped me realize who Jesus was early on and begin to follow him. Here's the interesting thing about Timothy's timeline, Okay. Here's what had happened. For generations, the people of Israel had been waiting for Messiah. Jesus shows up, fully God, fully man. He lives a sinless life. He dies a sacrificial death. He's raised from the dead supernaturally on the third day. Jesus ascends back to the Father, and then we begin this thing we call the church age. Timothy was born during this time. Up until then, there were no lifers. People in the early church were coming to faith at all over the age spectrum, but none of them were babies. Then that group of people were beginning to raise children. Timothy was a part of that group of people raised from birth, knowing this great news of Jesus. It was an incredibly new phenomenon. And as Timothy is in that home, listening, watching the influence of a grandmother. By the way, if you noticed in that sequence... There's a grandmother named and a mother named, but no grandfather and no dad named. We'd be a little far-reaching to say that Timothy's mom was a single mom, but what we do know is this. She was single in her faith because in no way was Timothy's dad mentioned as part of the faith training of his life. Can I give you some encouragement today? Grandparents, as you're here today, you have a special and unique opportunity with grandkids that your own kids don't. And here's the simple reason why. You get to be fun. Okay? If your kids are doing a good job as parents, they don't get to be that very often. They got to tighten in the reins. They got to give correction and leadership. But you, you don't have to do that. When they get fussy and grumpy, just give them back. And have a great time with them. And out of that joy, out of that source of influence, you have a great opportunity to be this incredible trainer of faith, even from that second generation. I come from good stock. On my mom's side, I remember Charles and Noreen, my grandparents. And we, they lived in Michigan, and we would fly back occasionally to visit with them and get time with them. And, and I will say that I can't remember a single moment where they sat me down and said, Todd, this is what the word of the Lord says, but I will tell you in the drip of their lives... And the way they talked about Jesus and the way that they lived him out with their family and their connected relationships, I saw him in them. And I knew I wanted to be more like what I saw. Now, some of you come from heritages like mine. Others of you don't. But here's the simple thing. Whether you did or not, you can be that source of heritage in your grandkids' lives. That choice is up to you. You get to be that. 
Some of you are really closely connected to your grandkids. You're raising them. You have become a parent. Again, it's a whole different ballgame. But that daily influence is huge, and you know it. You're walking it. To this other side of this same passage, this uh, reality of how this works, notice, too, that Timothy had truly his whole lifetime to know and follow faith in the Scriptures. That from the very time he was very young, his mom and his grandmother were all about influencing this young life. Timothy ends up becoming a very significant member of the the church of God in the new church age. Not everyone turns out that way to that level of leadership, but we would trace that back to a mom and a grandmother. People who would say, well, who am I? What what big role am I going to have in the kingdom of God? You're training one of the new young pastors that Paul is going to put in a high level of leadership in the church he loved probably more than any other. It's a big job, big deal. And notice the incredible power of familial influence and credibility. That phrase, I love it. You know those from whom you learned it. It's not distant. It's not something spoken from a stage where that person doesn't know who this is. It's in the home, everyday stuff that this young Timothy was watching a mom and a grandma do. And realize I want that same kind of faith. Because here's the thing. No matter what we do as parents to help our kids to nurture them and grow them. And who God is and in his ways. At the end of the day, they all have to make that decision for themselves. To say, I will follow Jesus like you have. Or not. That decision is always theirs. No matter how much good training we can provide. Your Bibles are open to Psalm 78. It's another great picture, not so much even descriptively, but more prescriptive, what we ought to be about related to the value of passing on the great news of God to future generations. Psalm 78, 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. Look at this. We will not hide them. We will not hide the things God has done for us. We will not hide them from their descendants, from the people God did them for. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born, they in turn would tell their children. Then, watch this, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Man, that's one of my all-time favorite parenting passages because it's saying God has given this role to us. We will not keep silent. We will tell them to our kids, and here's the goal, so that they'll put their trust in him too. Now, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, I'm never, no one's ever doing this perfectly, but I'm I'm about this. I am, I am definitely making this part of a, a discipline or a rhythm in our home to just be about God's word. Can I encourage you today? Keep on keeping on. I love the passage we ended with last week from Galatians 6. Don't be weary in doing good for at the right time, a harvest. You're, you're reaping, you're, gonna, you're sowing right now. The reaping is coming. Harvest of righteousness awaits. 
For those of you who would say, you know, Todd, I have been about this at times. At times in the life of our family, I have been more engaged in this and now less. Can I just encourage you, rather than you feeling judged, rather than you feeling criticized, would you just pick up the ball? You've dropped it. I get it. So have I. Pick it up and let's start moving forward again. You'll get some practical ways in just a moment. Or if you would be here today and you'd say, Todd, for a host of reasons, this has never been the stuff of our home. And I I deeply regret that. Can I give you good news? It's never too late to start. It is never too late to start being an influencer with the word and the truth and the love of Jesus in people's lives. No matter where you're at on the spectrum, be encouraged today. You can begin. Number two in your notes, recruit and engage allies. Recruit and engage allies. Um, So we just made a big point. Number one, take seriously your role as the primary spiritual trainer of your kids. So you can't miss that. But then the second point, though, is so important. Notice I didn't say you are the sole spiritual trainer of your kids. You're the only spiritual trainer of your kids. I don't believe that for a minute. You're just the primary one. Can I give you one reason, a real practical reason why you're the primary one? You get more time. As your kids get older, they're more and more busy. I know that. I've got a a 17-year-old and an almost 15-year-old, and their their schedules are all over the place. But I will tell you, you still get more time than our youth pastors. You still get more time than our kids' workers. So it really does, just for that reason alone, begin there with you. But it doesn't have to end there. And it doesn't mean you have to be the sole voice in your kids' lives. I'll share with you why that's important in a minute. A phrase that became real popular about 20 years ago, it had existed for a long time, but Hillary Clinton made it very popular, was it takes a village to raise a child. I'd like to reframe that and say it takes a Jesus-following community to raise a child. It takes a church. It really does. And that's good news. Because for those of you who were just hearing the first part I was saying, and feel this incredible burden on your own shoulders. Like, how am I going to be all of these things to my kids? You don't have to be. I surely don't expect you to be. God doesn't expect you to be. He says, take that primary role seriously, but also now recruit people to be your allies. Here's how it worked out for me in vivid color. I was at HDC. I'm the family pastor, and I'm working with our kids' teams. And I'm trying to help them and me figure out where do we fit in this whole thing. So I give them an assignment. I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles this week. And I want you to find your job, your role in the Bible. I was talking to children's pastors, children's directors, children's workers of all types. Find your job in the Bible. We close our meeting. We come back next week. We start with that question. Where did you find your role in the Bible? And all of them to a person looked at me and said, Todd, we're not there. With almost a sense of despair. (laughs) We don't exist. But this is what they said right on the heels of that. But when it came to the people who were entrusted to do children's ministries, we only found one word, parents. I said, bingo. You're exactly right. Biblically speaking, related to responsibility, related to where that mantle falls is on a parent. However, parents have always been, like we'll see in a minute, always been encouraged to find a great team 
to pull alongside of them, to be a part of this process of taking seriously raising their kids as a new follower, a new generation of what it means to follow Jesus. Here's one of the reasons why. You might be here today and you're already there. You're like, Todd, I get it. I'm recruiting as, even as we speak. That's great. But for some of you, though, you'd go, Todd, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the influence of anyone but me. I just want to say something to that. I just want to speak to that. I don't know if you've thought about the long game of that kind of thinking, because this is what that means. If the only person that your kids are hearing about their faith, if the only place the source that's coming from is you, as your kids get older, they will begin to assume the only person who believes this about Jesus is you. They will begin at 12, 13, 14 years old when they can begin to think more abstractly. They have been hearing this, learning it, and that's awesome. You've taken your job super serious. But as they get to this age, they're starting to wonder, I don't know anyone else who talks about Jesus like this. Maybe you're the only one who thinks it. But guess what? If you would recruit and engage allies... They're going to start hearing about this great Jesus and hearing about his love for them in stereo. And you have all kinds of voices speaking into their lives saying, hey, what you're hearing at home, that is the truth. What you're hearing at home, this is how this fleshes out in my life. What you're hearing at home, this is what it looks like for me. And all of a sudden, your kids begin to understand it's not just mom or dad. There are a lot of people who live and believe the same truth, I should be paying attention. You want to speak. You want God to speak in stereo to your kids, and you have a great group of allies you can pull in. Let me show you from Scripture. Would you go back in your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we'll stay there today in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 31, beginning in verse 12. This is what Moses says to a new generation ready to go and take the land. He says in verse 12, assemble the people. Talking now to the new leadership, the new regime that's going to do this after him. Bring the people together, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your towns. Why? So they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. You got to remember, it was that generation's parents who all died in the desert because they wouldn't, by faith, believe what God had for them. So God said, fine, I'm going to give it to your kids. It's that new generation that are now parents themselves. And Moses is saying, gather together as families and watch this. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing to possess. In this case, who were going to be the people that were teaching this group of children? The leaders of Israel. Now we're going to see in just a minute, Moses made a big deal that parents would also be the primary teachers of their kids, but incorporating others into the mix intentionally wanting to speak in stereo, this community of people love and worship and follow this Yahweh God that a new generation needed to be warmed up to, needed to know about themselves. Interestingly enough, by the way, you see that one phrase in there where it says, their children who do not yet know this law must hear it 
and learn to fear the Lord your God. What Moses is saying is that happens generation to generation. And the generation he was talking to, the generation going into the land, they did a pretty good job showing them, walking it out with them, demonstrating the goodness of God. But it would be the next generation. The next generation who only heard of these things and did not know them, who weren't trained in them, who didn't see them come to life in their parents, it would be that generation and subsequent generations we read about in the book called Judges. And that's the downfall of Israel. You could link everything back to the fact, it says that in the first two chapters of Judges, everything goes back to the fact that new generations were not trained, were not shown did not embody this great news of Yahweh God. Future generations would fail. And a lot of the reason is they didn't have allies. Here's some of the allies that are waiting to be called upon by you today. The allies of Trinity Church's children's ministry. Some of your kids are over there in our programs right now. And you're like, check, that's who I'm using. Some of you, you're our Trinity Student Ministries program. Students are here this morning. Some of you guys were at Crave. Others of you are going to be involved in serving in our children's ministries later today in other areas of our church. Awesome. Parents, check. Good job. Grandparents, we keep bringing you up today. You keep showing up in this mix. Are you a person, if you're here today raising kids, are you engaging your parents to be a source of influence in your kids' lives and say, here's a generation farther down the road than me. They could talk to you about the faithfulness of God. What about extended family members? What about the ability that you have? You have, you'll say that your student is, as they're just growing and progressing, you see some things beginning to bubble to the top about their shape or their design. And you know that the field that they're interested in getting involved in, your brother, Dan, Dan could actually be a source of encouragement, not just in the job market, but what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in that place. You can recruit Dan to help you. Or what about the fact that you are close as a family friend to people that are raising kids? Would you think about people in your extended world who love Jesus and could be a great source? For Joanna and I, it worked out this way. We were in the same family group for about nine or ten years at HTC and just began to, like so many groups that stay along together, they just did life together. It was so good. And I would look out over this group of five or six families and we'd consistently say, who do we hope, who are we asking as other adults to invest in the lives of our kids? Validating their good decisions, encouraging them when they're down, being a people of consistent example. And by the way, we want to be that to these people's kids as well. You need to recruit and engage allies because they're out there. And God intends for that to be a part of your um, approach, of your strategy. I want to say something today. If you're here as a single parent today, if you're here today as someone who shares joint custody with a child, If you're here today married to someone who's not following Jesus, you have one thing in common. And that is, you feel like you're, and you might be, the only source of at least parental influence, Jesus' influence in your kids' lives. I want to say something that I'll repeat throughout the series, but I want to make sure you hear it today. Jesus will use your half. Jesus will use your half, your degree of influence. 
that you can and should be in your kids' lives, even if you don't have that partner helping you. Even if that other person's not in the picture. Even if they have to go to that person's house. Days on end, God will use your half. And there's a great chance when I talked about recruiting a team, recruiting allies, you're already on it. You know it, you're doing it, and you see the fruit of it. Don't be discouraged today about what you can't do. Instead, say, God, how can I consistently be that part in my child's life? You may be here today, by the way, and your kids are out of the home. Would you be in this kind of posture today? Would you be ready when someone recruits you? Would you be ready as I've given this whole kind of sequence of different examples, would you be ready when someone says, would you be a source of consistent influence in my child's life? Would you say, I was just waiting to be asked. It goes a little bit weird if you go first. You really need help. Junior's a wreck. What can I do? (laughs) Not as good. But when you get recruited, already have the word yes on your mouth. Finally, number three today, begin by incorporating one strategy at a time. This is the big problem whenever we go to a conference or even we even hear a message like today. We're going to hear a lot of thoughts. It's like drinking out of a fire hydrant and we don't know where to start. want to really make this clear. Of the next ideas I give you, pick one. Not all of them. Pick one. And just start it. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Just start it. I, I was going to share with you today. I want to tell you the story of the one family devotion I had as a kid growing up. Yeah, literally one. My parents have been to a conference or they heard something on the weekend. And so that Monday, we go into our front room. And this is amazing. We had a coffee table. We had a King James Bible, no lie. It was that thick. Okay, this real ornate cover. I think my parents had given some donation to some ministry and this is what they got in return. It was heavier than most suitcases. So got this big old Bible and we sit down and my parents open up and, and like, we're going to have a family devotion. At the time, I'm probably about 11 or 12. My brother's a couple of years younger than I am. So we're, we're you know, we're a little older. We're going to have a family devotion. We sit down. I kind of think it went eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Wherever the Bible opened to is where we went. And my, my dad read something, kind of asked us, what do you think that means? We're like, Aah. And uh, then after about 15 of probably the most painful minutes of any of our lives, he was like, oh, I think we're good. Closed it up. And that was it. I'll tell you why that was it. Because it went so bad. It was not engaging. It was beyond boring. Obviously, my parents didn't know what they were doing. They tried. Good heart. And we never did it again. That will likely be the, the, the attraction, the tendency for some of us today. You're going to hear about a tool that you haven't engaged yet. You're going to try it once. If it doesn't go awesome, you're done. Don't be weary in doing good. Keep it up. Let me give you some ideas of what I'm talking about. First, one of the Hallmark passages, your Bible's in Deuteronomy. Go back to Deuteronomy 6. You can't talk about parenting without bringing up this powerful passage. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. These are familiar words. We looked at them last week. Jesus is going to hundreds of years later when asked what's the most important commandment without even needing to hesitate, love God wholeheartedly. That's what he says. Be God-centered. 
So this is the same verse we looked at last week. But notice this, though. Notice the words that come right after it. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. He's talking to moms and dads. We're going to find out in just a minute what to do with kids. He's talking to parents. This begins with you. We said it earlier today. You cannot give what you don't have. One of the biggest reasons why we know that is true Your kids can smell out a fake a mile away. You already know that. You already know that. In other areas where you've said, kind of do what I say, not what I do, your kids go, something's wrong in that equation. They can smell out a fake. So that's why it has to be genuine with you. By the way, please don't ever hear anything I say in this series about because you live perfectly every day. There's only one guy who ever did that. Okay? We know him to be the son of God. None of the rest of us fit that category. You are going to consistently fail. But how many times, how many times in your parenting, when you fail, would you say, would you forgive me? And there's more power in that opportunity with your children than doing it right. Because you can recognize we all need grace. You do, I do, We're all walking this road together. The word of God, these commandments begin on your heart. So secondly, now what do we do as a parent? How do we begin to help our kids embody and and grow in that same truth? This is the next words, very next words, chapter 6, verse 7. Impress them, these commandments. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That word impress, maybe the best way to think of that. Think of the last time, maybe just very occasionally, you've ever gotten a letter that had a wax seal, right? That closed the envelope. And it's when that wax was nice and gooey that someone impressed Someone took a stamp and impressed it upon that wax. That's what this word means. Impress them. Watch. Your kids are impressionable. Impress the word of God on their lives. Right from the words of Moses to this group of people. And then he goes on to tell them, we'll look at in a minute, how. How and when. Well, the first part of how. How do you impress them on your children? Let me give you three practical things. Number one, get them and use an age-appropriate Bible. Use a Bible that is age-appropriate. If you have a three-year-old and you whip out your NASB, it's going to be hard to understand. Okay? And there's all kinds of great tools and resources. That's why I know it's like a flood. Like, where do you even begin? But the reason, take a look at this picture. The reason this was so important to me, this was about a year ago. It was April the 20, does that say six or five? I can't read that far. Six? Anyways, about a year ago from today. And it was a a noteworthy moment because Ellie read through the Action Bible cover to cover. We finished it. So this is a a Facebook post that I put up there that night. And you can tell she's in her jammies and we're up there. And I just go, Ellie, you just finished reading the Action Bible. We got all the way through. I said, what do you want to do next? Thinking like there's another devotional or Bible we could do. She goes, let's start again. I'm like, sweet. There we were next night back in Genesis. This child loves the word of God in a language and a method she can understand. It's engaging to her. She'll read something and we'll ask questions about it that I just kind of go, what, what do you do with that? 
Why would he act that way? Why would this happen? What does what it happen next? It's so fun to see. Age-appropriate Bibles are a huge win in helping develop this saturation in your home. Another one is this. Listen to music that has biblical truths embedded in the lyrics. In the lyrics, there is biblical truth that is coming in. Make it a part of the nature of your home. I'm not telling you what songs to listen to. I'm just saying take songs that talk about Scripture and make them a part of how your rhythms go. These tunes will catch, and they will be the things that your kids are humming and the things that they're thinking about. And finally, use the book of Proverbs as a specific parenting tool. Use the book of Proverbs as a specific parenting tool. Here's the thing, catch this. Sometimes the best resources are right under our nose. When you look at the book of Proverbs, it's written from a parent to a child. My son, don't miss this. My son, pay attention. My son, above all else, guard your heart. All these great things. And, and you, if you've read the book of Proverbs before and you, you think about that, you realize, no, that's true. That's a great idea. Here's the problem. If you just read the book of Proverbs, read chapter 17 today, it reads like a series of fortune cookies. Right? One-liners. One line about how important it is to have a good work ethic. The next line about how important it is to be honest. The next line how important it is to be surrounded by good people. And your desk gets all over the map. Well, let me give you a couple tools. This week online, through our website, our social media, I'm actually going to give you two online tools I found this week that will help you actually use the book of Proverbs a little bit more, maybe strategically. Here's the first one, by the way. It's not even online. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters. There's no month in your calendar that has more than 31 days. Today is the thir- is it, what's it, 30th? I don't know what day it is. 30th? Guess what? Proverbs 30 is today. Tomorrow, May 1st, Proverbs 1. May 2nd, Proverbs 2. Just whatever day of the month it is, that's the proverb you're reading. That's one way to get there. A couple other online tools. One of the things that's hard, the Proverbs have so much to say, but it's so scattered. Someone took the themes of the Proverbs and they lumped them in categories. And if you want to read a Proverbs about anger, if you want to read Proverbs about working hard, if you want to read Proverbs about the influences in your life, here is a grouping of those themes. I'll send you that tool. You can look at it online. I'm not going to send it to you, by the way, because then you're waiting for an email. No, no, no. You go on Trinity Church's social media and you'll find it. But that's another great tool. So we're giving you tools, but the point is use the book of Proverbs because that's what it's intended to be. Training from a parent to a child. And I love this last part. You know, even as uh, Moses is talking that through, the different resources, he not only says how, but he says when. Look at the rhythms of life. I put, here's what Moses says. Here's how it maybe translates in your life. First off, he said, when you sit at home. Well, to me, that could be like sitting down and eating a meal together. And I know that our families today don't sit down and eat three meals together. You're lucky to get one good one a week. I get that. But even in that one good meal a week, sit down together at a meal, talk about the word of God. Talk about who God is and how he interacts with us. When you walk along the road, we don't walk a lot anymore, but we drive everywhere. So when you're driving in your car, create a conversation, have that kind of music on the radio, listen and talk to one another about who God is. When you lie down, sounds like when you go to sleep at night, that one translates millennia. It works just as well for us today. That's the time of day that Ellie and I read the Action Bible together, is going to bed at night. And then fourthly, when you get up, that sounds a lot like how you start your day. How you start your day. These are all the kinds of things 
that are the rhythms of daily life. None of them are like, oh, I have to do something new. No, all you have to do new is add the truth of God's word to what you're already doing because you already do those four things. Now be intentional. I love the last thing he said, even put these on the door frames of your home. Some of you have in your house scripture, maybe stenciled on the wall or some sort of thing on your in your kitchen or wherever you have it. And sometimes you might feel as though, okay, it's decorative, but I don't know if this really, if our kids pay attention to this, if this is helping anything. Can I tell you this? I took three years of Spanish. I am incredibly articulate with one phrase. (laughs) Habla en español con sus amigos. I even know what it means. Speak in Spanish with your friends. Here's why I remember it. It was on a poster I sat next to for three years in a row. (laughs) Watch this. Etched into my mind. God's word get etched into your kids' minds and hearts when they see it a lot, when they hear it a lot. The big idea this week, saturating your home with the Bible begins at home, begins there and works out of your life. Let me pray. Father God, you are good. Your love endures forever, and we only know that truth because of what the Bible says, because of what you've taught us through your word. You are so good to be so giving and helpful and instructive to us. God, help us as parents, as people, as grandparents, as those connected to families, help us begin with prioritizing your word in our own lives. And from there, God, help us train and develop a new generation to love you and to love you through the truth they find in Scripture. You may be here today and you kind of go, you know, Todd, I I really can't imagine being a a primary faith trainer, a a spiritual trainer. I, I don't have a faith of my own. I've never put my faith in Jesus yet, and I'm not, I'm not really his. Well, I want to give you great news today. You can do that. And it goes through the lens of the ABCs. A is to admit. To admit that you're a sinner. To admit that you've lived life on your terms, not on God's. And here's the thing you knew before you walked in the door today. You knew there was a problem in your relationship vertically with him. You can do something about that problem. And it's not what you can do to make yourself better. It's what you can acknowledge what God did for you. B is believe. Believe that Jesus is the only Savior available, this one-of-a-kind, unique Son of God. He did live a sinless life. He did die sacrificially on a cross. He was raised supernaturally on the third day. Believe. He is the, the answer to your problem. See is choose. Jesus has given you a path, like we've talked of today. Choose to simply stay in step with him. Father, we're grateful for who you are. Help us as we leave here today singing these words about how much we are to love you. Help us sing them with gusto because they are very much what you said matters most. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.